Welcome to Off the Chest. This is the mini revival of season two. A bit a bit more casual, a bit more of a production. As you can see right here, a lovely little mic stand. We got the camera, of course. And it means you've got me. Still gonna be a podcast mainly, alright? So don't get your hopes up about I don't know, about anything. But we're back, and of course, we're gonna be talking about many, many, many things. But we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about me and my experiences more than the news and critiquing the news. But of course we cannot we cannot talk about anything else until we talk about this election that has happened and that has continued to unfold and create this sort of mini panic for some people. And for others, it's kind of like what do we do now? So I think the whole theme for this episode is going to be what comes next. So we're going to start, of course, with Biden wins. And we could have guessed it earlier, but it's official. And he keeps racking up more states. You got Arizona today. He's gotten Pennsylvania. He'll probably get Georgia. You know, so... Things are looking good if you're a Democrat, or if you're just a blue kind of person. But, I don't want to talk about the election too much, because literally that's all people have been talking about for a week and a half. So instead, we're going to move on to the what comes next part of this election cycle. Now ordinarily, we'd be talking about the Biden-Harris transition team meeting at the White House with Pence and Trump and officials. And they'd be getting things like security briefings, both for foreign and domestic relations and problems. They'd also be more focused on vetting people for cabinet positions, which I would assume going off Biden and his reputation and his mannerisms like I would assume that that's what he's doing behind closed doors because realistically like 90% of people in the United States don't care about the cabinet position they care about COVID the economy and their health care in no particular order so they don't care who's going to run the labor department who's going to run the treasury department who's going to be the Secretary of State. No one no one really cares about that. Unless you're kind of a political junkie on either side of the aisle. Like myself, you know. I love that kind of stuff. But what comes next? You would ordinarily be getting rumors about that. We already have one confirmed. Uh, Ron Klain will be Biden's chief of staff in the White House, which I think is cool. I really hope, though, that they're not all just white guys running the show in the cabinet obviously they've you know they've committed to they're going to have a very diverse team which is good should reflect the people and not just the people in politics uh, i also think that they should probably keep it close to their chest until he is certified as president which is Ooh, December 14th is when the Electoral College votes. 
and then you can start moving. And then also, once the Senate gets finalized, because we got then two Georgia runoffs, which are super important. We'll talk about those maybe once we get closer to that. But for this, it's just kind of be presidential. Why, why is this so uniquely different? And why is it both scary, but also not democracy threatening? So, like I said, ordinarily you'd be focusing on the meetings between the incumbent president or the outgoing president and the incoming president, the president-elect, right? So the two teams would be meeting. Now, of course, what is Trump doing? He's doing literally nothing. Nothing normal. Didn't concede. He's not meeting. He's not giving he's, or allowing classified material to be shared with the Biden administration. Which, here's why that's bad. It's not, it's not bad because they're going to come in unprepared. Like, Biden knows what he's doing. He's been in the White House for eight years as Obama's VP. But it's the idea that we don't know, or they don't know, sorry, the biggest set of problems that are affecting us domestically and foreign. So it could be, there could be a new terrorist group forming. There could be murder hornets i don't know you know there's things out there that we don't know but my theory is and this is one that's shared by quite a few people i think is that the reason that they aren't sharing classified material with the biden transition team is because they're all hiding their corruption and by sharing it they would expose themselves as being money hoarders and power grabbers they would also expose what they haven't been dealing with and also, they would share how poorly they've been managing things that they do know about and are either not working to fix or prevent or what they're doing very poorly in the case of the coronavirus response and the economic recovery. So all those things combined are leading the Biden administration to just not be able to be as fully prepared and moved in their process of transition. That's bad, obviously. It sounds all very bad. Here's the good thing that's come out of it. Trump, besides a few tweets and retweets, he isn't saying anything, which for most people is a sigh of relief because you've just had four years of Trump's presidency, another year to year and a half of his candidacy, where it's he's been a media sponge. He's absorbed all the attention, all the headlines, and now it's just like, whew. Granted, his team is still taking the headlines with uh, these ridiculously stupid lawsuits, which we'll get to later, maybe. But Trump's silence, especially, his physical appearances and his speeches and whatever him not saying anything is so so awesome because this is what a presidency should look like you shouldn't hear from the president four to five times a day especially complaining you could be because here's the thing right there's a quick civics lesson the president isn't supposed to be 
this super powerful person. It, the power is mainly supposed to be in the Congress, right? You know, the Congress writes the bills. The president's supposed to just sign them or veto them. And that's kind of it. Obviously, the power of the presidency has grown exponentially since the uh, Constitution was ratified. So for all you fundamentalists out there, you can go shove it because there's just way too much to deal with. But yeah, the radio silence from Trump is really good because then now we can focus more on his administration's failures and shortcomings with the pandemic. Instead of just saying, oh, Trump said this and this, let's talk about this for a whole show. Like, no one, no one, and I mean not just normal people or political, no one cares about what Trump says. Especially people whose lives are in danger or at risk or their jobs or their health care or they have a loved one who's passed away or is or has contracted the, the virus so in that sense it's been kind of nice now here's the here's the worrisome part right here's the worrisome part for four years Trump has seen classified information about foreign powers North Korea Russia uh, Iran Iraq China etc you know NATO whatever all these all these classified information secrets he's definitely definitely stealing money off of people who are donating to his uh, what is it like recount fund or whatever? He's definitely stealing money to pay off his debts because we all know he's broke as fuck. Like, there's no two ways about it. But this this worrisome part, right? And it's every day, I literally every day it worries me even more. What's going to stop him from just January twenty first coming around and he's no longer present to just share these things? whether to the public or even more scary what if he shares them with the country that's involved like what if he shares russian intel from the u.s intelligence agencies and sells it to russia for a hotel or to cancel his debts or to grant him asylum whatever because a he's a piece of shit and he's a snake, and he has no loyalty to the country or to the office. But also, my thinking is, right, there's all these civil cases against him and criminal cases against him about uh, the Deutsche Bank loans. There's all these sexual assault cases that are advancing. And it's because, here's another civics lesson, because these are in state court, like the Southern District of New York, it's just like the New York State Court, and not in federal court, he can't pardon himself. So he can pardon himself of anything he's done, like as president. But this, and well, yeah, so he can pardon himself for that, but he can't pardon himself for state crimes because that's he, he's not the governor of New York. Or the mayor of New York City, whatever. He he can't do that. So all those still exist on him. So that's that's one point there. Right there. And then and then 
what's to stop him? Oh, that's the other point. When he pardons, if he pardons himself or pardons anyone, the pardon only goes up to the day you pardon. So he could pardon himself for all his crimes up to tomorrow. But then the day after, he commits a crime and then he can't. That pardon does not exist for that. It doesn't cover it. So, all in all, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's a complete moron. He's a fucking asshole. <laughs> and Joe Biden will be the 46th president of the United States. So that's very, very awesome. So, we... <laughs> Joe Biden comes in, and everyone's going to think, Oh, everything's going to get done right away. Everything's going to get fixed. And we're going to be able to go out in the streets and celebrate and go to bars and restaurants and movie theaters and go back to school and hug people. No. No, no, no. That's not how this works. And let me tell you why. Yes, things will get better, especially on day one. Things will, boom. A sense of civility, normality, yada, yada. The problem is the U.S. was not built to be a country that can change like that. It was built to have slow incremental change that ultimately over time builds up into change. Let me give you an example. The coronavirus pandemic. Just because vaccines are close and encouragingly close actually. So fair play to these uh, pharmaceutical companies that are doing work. Fair play to them, they're doing well. They don't have the means to mass produce countrywide, worldwide. So, who's gonna get it first? How many are gonna be in the first round, you know? What is the success rate of this um, treatment or cure or vaccine? Is it forever? Is it six months? Is it two years? Is it a one stage? Is it a multi-stage? How much is it gonna cost? When are we gonna get it? Or maybe, maybe some people like essential workers get it first and like doctors and nurses and politicians and teachers maybe? I don't, people should put teachers into essential workers. That's just my two cents. Thank you for listening to that. And then what happens to the, to the public has to wait extra? Do governors listen to Biden now that he's someone's taking it seriously? Do Republican governors ignore like a mask mandate or certain federal guidelines? If so, does Biden or Congress punish them by withholding federal funding? There are so many dominoes that have yet to even be placed on the board before we can think about return to normal life it's the 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 earliest we can get it is probably summer of what, 2021 next this next year so that's seven eight months depending on how the timelines work and that's not even factoring all these anti-vaxxers who won't take as their anti-vax and then there's the anti-government people like one of my uncles who just doesn't trust the government. It doesn't matter who runs it or who's in charge. He doesn't trust the government. Then there are going to be people who are maybe like the pro-Trump base who are like, oh, well, it's a Biden vaccine. 
very, very loose air quotes. Therefore, they're not going to take it because they don't trust it. So then maybe only, let's say theoretically, only like 66%, you know, two-thirds of the country takes it. Not only is that not enough for this herd immunity idea, but then it's just going to break out again. It's like, I love a good analogy, so let's do this. You you own a farm, and you got a chicken coop, and something happens, and the chickens escape. And let's say you've got let's say you've got ten chickens to make it easier. So you put in you got you capture five, six, seven chickens, and you put them back in the coop. And as you go to get the last three or four. You forget to close the door. And so maybe one of the chickens or two of them run out. So you come back and you've got, you put another one in. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I've got less chickens. Where'd they all go? That's kind of how that would work out. If we don't reach a certain threshold, which would be very, very high. It's like, you know, 85, 99, 500% of people vaccinated. There will still be breakouts. Will they be as huge as they are this, like these week's numbers of almost 150,000 confirmed cases a day? No, but it will still be out there. And then the political ramifications are that if that happens, Democrats will be blamed, even though Democrats have done everything in their power to make it free or very inexpensive, make it easy to access, put out all this public resource information. Democrats could literally give them the baby Jesus and some people be like well it's fake news it's it's not Trump didn't say it or Tucker Carlson didn't say it therefore I'm not gonna do it so if we reel it back in to the real world to November of 2020 Just because Biden wins doesn't mean anything has changed in terms of what we should do. Because Dr. Fauci said that the vaccine is like the long game. It's the end game. There's still stuff we gotta do in between. You know, short term, we still gotta wear our masks. We still need to socially distance when we go out. But only go out if, you're ne if it's necessary. So grocery stores are very necessary. Um, if you're an essential worker, you gotta go to work. I don't really see where else you need to go outside for. If you want to socialize, I mean, Zoom, Google Meets, Microsoft Teams, FaceTime, Skype, Discord, Snapchat video, Facebook video. Look at that, there's already eight. And if you really got to do in person, you go to a park and you sit socially distance and you wear a mask until you're eating or drinking. You don't. The reason why this has existed so long is because people are bored and fed up. So they just go out and say, fuck it. Chuck it in the bucket. God, that was cringe. But you know what I mean? Like people are just people in this country don't understand doing something for the greater good or 
They understand what it means, but they don't know what the greater good is. And in both cases, that is completely unacceptable and stupid. So all these short-term things need to keep happening. And long-term, I think one of the things that would be beneficial would be to adopt a behavioral change to where if you're feeling sick, even if it's like just a little bit of a cold or something, you should still wear a mask in public and, you know, avoid large gatherings and potential spreader events. That's just me. That's just what I think from my big brain. But yeah, like, like, like I said, nothing's changed and nothing will change at a pace sufficient to the public's appetite unless we can win both the seats in the Georgia Senate races. They're both, let me, let me tell you something. They're both equally important races because we need to get at least the 50-50 split in the Senate so that way Vice President-elect Harris can be that tiebreaker vote, the 51 to 50 vote. But as optimistic as I am, my realism side is kicking in and saying we're probably going to win one out of the two. I think Reverend Warnock, who, by the way, is the preacher at the church of Martin Luther King Jr. So when you talk about decent people, that is that's a pretty high bar right there. And he's running against Kelly Loeffler who is like an owner of a WNBA team and she's crooked as can be or corrupt or a, sh a, sh a shit person basically. I think he has a very, very good chance of beating her. What I will say is that she just has this innate power as the incumbent and potentially as a woman but definitely as a white woman, as a white person, because just some people just hate seeing black people in, in positions of authority or power. So I do think, I do think uh, Reverend Warnock will win. It'll be close, but all races at this point are close. And then the other one is Senator Perdue, Republican incumbent against challenger John Ossoff, who I think is a good candidate. I think he shouldn't be running for Senate because he lost his house race. And I think he should try to win the house race again instead of the Senate. But that's just me. One my client. Whatever. I don't think I think he's a good candidate. Both know Georgia very well. They are people of Georgia. Whereas the two incumbents are just kind of Ooh, look at me, I'm a ditzy senator. I don't really know what the hell is going on. So here's what's gonna happen if Democrats don't get both of those. Biden in the White House, that's Democrat blue. The House is blue. And then the Senate will be red. Republican run. And some people in the media have been suggesting that this will be a good thing because it will keep Biden in check. And it won't let the radical socialist left push him towards the brink of the end of America, whatever, I don't know. Yeah, that ain't gonna happen. One, because Biden is not a radical 
leftist socialist. Two, we've seen him throughout the campaign explicitly not move super far left. Yeah, we pushed him a little bit left. But he's still center left. Like, he is as center left as Trump is fucking nuts. Like, that's how it is. So there's that one. We've also got extensive proof of a Mitch McConnell-run Senate with a Democrat-run White House not working together. Uh, and if you don't know what I mean, then uh, just go back go back to the Merrick Garland nomination. Let's see how that freaking worked. Or perhaps you go back to the uh, repeal and replace Obamacare, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? It's not getting repealed or replaced. It's going to get built upon and made better. Even though I disagree with that. As a principle. We move. And so, it's still, look, it's still, again, at the Supreme Court. Which I don't understand why it's not a big, as big of a deal as I think it should be. We're in the middle of an uncontrolled pandemic where millions of people have lost their job and as a result, their private health care insurance. And the president of the United States and his team are in court trying to get the Supreme Court to deem the Affordable Care Act unconstitutional. Where is the logic? Where is the logic? Honest to God, I don't understand people's mindsets. So, anyway, what does this mean? It means that the Senate will not work with Biden. Now, they may change their minds, but it is unlikely. So, that means Biden will be issuing many 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 executive orders on climate change probably gun control health care infrastructure well infrastructure maybe that's kind of an iffy one i think both sides can work things out on that but you know he's going to be issuing tons of executive orders both to undo trump's damages to policy to structure and integrity of the democracy and to foreign relations uh, that's not really executive orders and then he's also going to be issuing a whole bunch of his new ones to implement his agenda if the senate doesn't work along now this is this is to me bad on two fronts the first front is that republicans and the conservative media like fox news and oan Breitbart, whatever, all of these are going to say, look at this radical socialist Biden doesn't want to work with Congress to pass his agenda. Therefore, we need to vote him out and get Republicans in there so we can stop that, which that's not how you stop executive orders. The way you stop executive orders that you don't like is to either vote the president out in the next election or to get your freaking congress people to actually work with him so both are very unlikely in the near future now the other reason why 
Biden issuing executive order after executive order to fix and to improve and to change things is that the public, the common people, the people who aren't political junkies, the people who don't understand like, okay, this is exactly why it's happening. The people who will be swayed by Fox News are going to say, wow, Congress isn't doing anything. And who's in the White House? Biden. What party is he? With the Democrats. Therefore, let's vote out all the Democrats. And then the Republicans will have the House and the Senate. And then even less stuff will get done. Because then Biden will be forced to use only executive orders. And then then it's just you see this downward spiral. It's just going to go and go and go and go and go down. So. We, as progressives, as moderate Democrats, as centrist Democrats, as never-Trumpers, as Republicans, as anyone who has an inch or an ounce or whatever measurement you want, any shred of respect and love for this country and the democracy and progress should vote blue in Georgia. That's how it is. Will that happen? Eh. At this point, it's a toss-up for both. It really is. What I will say, though, is that if I was in Georgia, I'd be raising hell against the Republicans because they don't... Look, there's a difference between being a conservative right now and being a Republican. A conservative believes in states' rights smaller central government less regulation on capitalism and the free market and yada 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 big military low taxes and a republican right now is just kind of let's suck off trump as much as we can to get as much political capital and then set ourselves up for a 2024 presidential run speaking of that let's just really quickly touch on that i think it's just hilarious already that trump is thinking about running again I could have put money on that he would run again. What I will say is I actually don't think he will win the Republican ticket outright. I do have faith in the core Republican Party to fix itself at least a little bit. And we can maybe touch on that in a different episode. But I think he'll run. He'll do a Teddy Roosevelt. He'll try and run to take back the White House from Biden as a Republican. The Republicans will resoundedly reject him as a party. Maybe not his vote. His voters would probably follow him, right? But maybe, maybe someone like Nikki Haley, former UN ambassador and governor of South Carolina, I believe. Or maybe Tucker Carlson, Senator Tim Cotton from Arkansas. Those are all those are all some people that could run as Republican candidates for president in 2024. And I think definitely if, but when Trump loses, he will form his third party. He will call it the Take America Back Again, Make America Great Again party, whatever, the Trump party. He will he will run third party oh i think mike pence will also run for president and maybe a couple others from the 
last time for 2016, like Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, John Kasich, Jeb, mm, I think Jeb Bush is done. But all these people are going to run. And so, I think he'll create a third party. I think, I really do think that. I think even more so than what people thought Bernie would do after 2016. Which, I think, I think he maybe could have if someone other than Trump had won. Like, if Ted Cruz had become president, beating Hillary Clinton, I think Bernie would have either sparked a serious movement or he himself headed the movement to create a progressive third party which I probably would have joined just saying um and then instead of having you know people like Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar and maybe like Ed Markey Warren you know these people would have moved to that party anyway the point is a government that has all three, not, not branches, but all three chambers, right? House of Representatives, Senate, White House. When all three are in the same party, shit gets done. And you have proof in the pudding, as you would say. Between 2009 and 2011, the Democrats had all three, and guess what? The Affordable Care Act got done. And the Econ Economic Recovery Act got done. Since then, not much. So, the point is, no matter what we do, we gotta vote blue. We gotta stay safe in the coronavirus pandemic. We gotta make sure we're taking care of not just ourselves and our families, but our neighbors and our friends and our relatives and strangers because only together will we survive the pandemic and start the transition to something normal I don't think we'll have normal after for a long while and there will still be there'll still be like relics of the past you know when we look at this like 10 15 years from now we'll be like wow that thing still exists from the pandemic recovery just like tsa still exists from 9 11 and the department of homeland security still exists they just kind of become culturally accepted and socially accepted so that's that's a wrap basically i do want to do one cool thing where and i think i have my book here right this is this is my trusty little notebook for those of you who are watching and so in that in in the first 12 episodes of this podcast i did a game at the end where i did would you rather i'm not doing that by myself anymore that's a little bit that's a little bit kind of just me waffling so instead what I want to do is I want to talk about some things that I have learned throughout this months long pandemic and lockdown quarantine right so the everyone has done something new I would imagine some people have learn to bake bread from scratch or they you know did an online certificate or they learned a new like party trick or whatever right and so i thought to myself like for many weeks like oh i haven't really done that i don't have the energy i'm just like focusing on my mental health and my physical health as well 
trying to find jobs, yada yada, kind of boring stuff. And then I realized, like, hey, you know what? I actually have, I, I have, I have been trying to develop a skill. And it's cooking. It's kitchen. It's making food. Because let me tell you, before, especially before this lockdown, my kitchen expertise was about this big. You see that as a as tiny, as very tiny. Look at that. I could make PB and J. Could make toast, cereal. You see what I'm getting at? I could make basically fuck all. But now I can make a whole bunch of stuff. So what I want to do, as part of a lighter, fun way to sign off the show, is I want to talk about one thing per show that I've made that has been either a, as our as our very awesome hero Borat would say, Vernaz, or would be a not Vernaz. So, yeah. That, that's kind of what I want to do. And here's the thing, right? I live at home right now due to the lockdown and the inability for me to get a job because, oh my god, it's so freaking crazy. What the hell is going on? So, I cook dinner once a week for my family. And so, I want to talk about the first thing that, I guess that this is not the first thing I learned to make. I got it in a recipe, and I made it, and it was super, super bomb. So, it's called, it is called the panzanella. It is a combination of spinach, mozzarella, tomato, pesto mayo, garlic bread. What else is in it? I think that's it. Oh, yeah, you know, some salt and pepper or some olive oil, right? Now, I'm not going to share recipes or things. I just want to tell you guys my reaction to it because it was bomb as fuck, okay? <laughs> this stuff is so good. It looks like a slimy, terrible concoction, but it's good. It's good, and it goes well with a lot of things. It goes well with pasta because... It's kind of it's kind of Italian. I don't know if it is. I didn't learn it from an Italian recipe. I just learned it from a sort of generic recipe. But it goes well with pasta. It goes well with Italian herb chicken. It goes well with like a kebab maybe or a kebab, whoever, whatever can you say? It's really really good. And so I don't know. I don't really know what the point of that is. It's just fun and it's not as boring as a would you rather but yeah this this was fun season two is uh, off to this off to the races as you would say i'm trying to i'm trying to make it more casual you know this is my show i can do whatever the hell i want i don't want to sit here and be like welcome to my podcast today in the news this happened and this is why it's bad not only say do that today because the election happened but we're going we're going to like we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk about the news a little bit. We're going to but maybe like do a deeper dive, kind of like a you know, like a John Oliver thing. 
we're going to talk about like like I've got this list up right we're going to talk about the effects of Trumpism or at least my interpretation of it and my projection of it and what I think will happen structurally and fundamentally in this country for the next few decades honestly we'll talk about the future of progressivism and then also on the flip side the republican party and conservatism when they come up we can talk about the uh, supreme court decisions i think those are very very interesting very very technical and sort of like underreported because supreme court doesn't get as much click through as a trump tweet and then we're also going to talk about some lifestyle stuff so a little bit change of pace we're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about mental health, mental health and self-reflection. We might talk about personal faith journeys. Uh, one that's kind of a mixture of both is I want to, at some point, talk about my politics. Why I believe in things I believe in. And why I vote the way I do and why I do things politically the way I do. Um... I do really want to talk also, and this is kind of another one of those that blends both. How to deal deal with, be with friends and family that have different political views and what's healthy and kind of what to do in that situation. Because I think we all, I think everyone, whether you're a Trump supporter, Biden supporter, none of those supporters... I think we all have had political disagreements with someone either in our immediate family or in our extended family or like in our close circle friends. Like there's always something there. One person at least to like butt heads with. I also I also really want to talk openly and vulnerably about depression and male emotions and like peel back layers and expose like a deeper part of myself because i really enjoy that and we'll talk about like in doing that becoming vulnerable how that leads to not only a lot of better things like more love more support more trust but then also what happens when people who you let in see the vulnerable side of you break that trust and so I will not, I will not be sharing names of people like in those situations because no matter how much I despise them for the various things that have been done to me like that, it, I don't know. I don't feel like the individual merits name recognition, whether it's a he, she, or they, right? And that's how, that's how we be better. What did Michelle Obama say? When they go low, we go high. Whatever you'd like them not, that's what I'm going to do for that. So, we're also, I'm also going to try and have a bunch of more guests on. Um, hopefully, like, every third, that would be, or every other, that would be ambitious, wouldn't it? It'd be great to have someone else besides me just yapping away. I, so, that that'll be... That'll be happening at some point. So, with that said, if you do have any ideas, 
of what you want to rant about or want me to rant about. If you want to come on the show, if you have anything to say about this, then how do you contact me? Well, there are several ways. If you know me personally, you can always shoot me a text, shoot me a DM, shoot me a Snapchat, a message in Facebook for all I care. But if you don't know who I am, somehow, and you maybe stumble across this and you think, oh, this is actually kind of cool. There's a couple ways you can contact me. This this show, this Off the Chest podcast, has an Instagram page, which I have not been very consistent on, but I promise it's going to it's going to be more consistent. I've got a schedule right here. You can't see it, of course. But I've got a schedule, and we're all stick to it as long as we freaking can. It is at, at the... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit. It is at Off The Chest Podcast. I don't know why I put that in my hands. I'm pretending to draw. But it's at Off The Chest underscore podcast. And because, because I'm not doing like a video version of this, we're on YouTube as well. So the link will be in the description of definitely the Instagram page. I don't know about the other stuff, but if you want to leave a comment there, that'll be cool too. We're also on pretty much every podcast platform, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. There's a few others. I'll have to I'll have to look at that another time. Or Anchor, of course. There I think that's it. Oh, one thing. Stay safe. <laughs> that's my one thing. Nah, of course not. But the one thing is every Friday, that's it. That's the one. Every Friday, this face i was gonna say beautiful face but i this face will be coming to your screens or your headphones fridays not mondays fridays because my mondays are hectic so fridays are chill i can put this on a friday and chill that's gonna be it for season two i rambled way too long but thank you guys for listening or watching I truly do appreciate it. Go ahead and leave us a follow, a rating, a subscribe, whatever. And until next week, don't forget to stay safe and wear your damn mask. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>